0: Good morning, everybody. Can everybody hear me okay? All right. Fantastic. Well, I'm so excited to be here this morning. I've got to be honest with you. This was probably the easiest event I've had to travel to. I drove a whole 26 miles to get here, so this was really fantastic, so I I appreciate this. But like most of you, I'm flying out in a couple hours, so I've watched the weather, and everybody going out of Orlando is going to be fine. There's not going to be any problems with the airport or anything like that with this hurricane coming. Um, For those of you that don't know me, again, my name is David Lewis, and for the last, we'll just say a long time, I have been training dealership personnel all over the world on all different aspects of the automobile industry. Um, I actually got my start as a trainer in F&I. I now do sales and fixed ops and BDC. But I started as an F&I person. I was an F&I manager for many, many years. I was a general manager of a dealership. Started my company in 1986. I've actually written five books And at the end, if you would like, just give me your business card. I'd be happy to send you a complimentary set of my books. There's no charge. But I've written five books on the industry. So I'd like to start. I made some notes on what I wanted to talk to you about today. But I want to ask you guys a couple of questions just so I get a good understanding. How many of you here in the room work in a dealership? I want to see a show of hands. So we've got a lot of people in dealership. The rest of you are all industry. Okay. Um, Who wants to talk about compliance? No, I didn't think so. <laughs> I, I I didn't think so. I, they, I definitely wasn't your compliance guy, but that's that's but that's okay. That's okay. I want to talk to you about making money in F and I because I really think that's the key thing. You know, when you look at our dealership profit margins and our profit centers, F and I is the easiest place for a dealership to make the most amount of money in the quickest amount of time. And I love being an F and I manager. People always ask me, David, if you could go back into any position in the dealership, what would you pick? And I would say I'd be an F&I manager. And I think my reason was simple. Uh, You know, I I get a private office. If I lived in the cold, snowy weather, I didn't have to go out and move cars when it snowed. Um, What I really liked was that everybody came to me. I didn't have to solicit. I didn't have to go out and prospect. Everybody came to me. Everybody that came to me all had a common denominator. They were all excited. They'd all bought a car. All I had to do was sell them products. The best part of all is that a third of the products they were going to buy from me were already pre-sold. And that would be the finance reserve all I had to do was maybe sell an insurance product, a service contract, some GAP, and things like that. So it made it very, very easy for me. Now, one of the things that I specialize in in my training is I like to study the customer. I know about us, I know who we are, what we do, how we do it. Let me ask you a question. Who, who, who around here is in, my, in, in dealership again? Let me see, a dealership person, I'll dealership person. Let me ask you a question, Justin, and I want an honest answer from you. You ready? You ready? What are you doing in the dealership, Justin? I'm a finance director. Fantastic. Finance director. This is not a trick question. And if you give me the wrong answer, I might ask you to leave. And you might lose your job. Wow. You ready? You ready? Are you greedy? Don't overthink the question. Are you greedy? then you and I can hang out together. Oh, baby, I love that. Yeah, baby. Who else is in the auto industry over here? Who else is in the retail retail world? Come on, who else is in retail? Are you greedy? Yeah, baby. Who else is in retail over here? Are you greedy? Do you like money? Oh, I love money. What do you do with your money? Me too. Me too. I spend it. I spend it. I've got kids in college, so I spend it on kids in college. That's why I'm still working. Okay, so... I made the mistake when my kids were little. I said, as long as you're in school, dad will pay the ride, thinking they would not all want to go to school, let alone for masters and PhDs. (laughs) So now you understand what I do all day. I work, okay? So what I do in the industry, though, is, is, is a little bit different. You know, most trainers study, you know, the industry, the processes, all that kind of stuff. Eh, I've I've done all that over the years. I want to study the customers. I want to know what makes that customer tick. What makes them think? Why do they say what they say, do what they do? Why do some buy more and some buy less? I want to know about these people. And when it comes to F&I, I I have a very short period of time to get to know my customer. It's not like a salesperson where all of a sudden, you know, I'm I'm going to get an hour, two hours, three hours to, to cultivate a relationship. So I want to study my customers. So I want to ask you all a question. I'd like a show of hands. How many of you in this room believe in the saying that buyers are liars? Let me see a show of hands. Who believes that buyers are liars? Okay. What if I told you that I could work in any of your dealerships, in F&I, in sales, and nobody would ever lie to me? Never once. Who in this room would think that's possible? A few? Okay, a few. You see, here's what happens. Buyers lie when they're scared and they're defensive. Who here in this room, over on this side, has ever sold cars? Let me see someone who's ever sold cars. Okay, let me ask you a question. If you were my, right here, right here, right here. If you were the salesperson and I was the customer, should I be scared of you? Wrong answer. What's your job? No, as a salesperson. When? So now, and for how much gross? So why shouldn't I be scared of you? I shouldn't be scared of you. But here's the thing. What you can do is you can alleviate my fears. You see, buyers are liars when we put them in a spot. when We back them into a corner and they get scared and defensive. When a customer comes into the dealership, this is their defensive posture. The only way we sell them anything is to get it down to here. The problem is we never get it down low enough. And we're going to talk about that in the next few minutes. And when people lie... They back themselves into corners, and they back us into corners, and then we can't make great presentations and demonstrations. Let me give you an example. I want everybody to participate in this question. I'm going to ask you all three questions, and I'd like you all to participate. Oh, wait. If you are married or with your spouse or significant other, do not participate in these three questions. Okay? Do not. Okay? You'll understand why in a minute. Okay? Are you guys together? No? Okay. Okay. What's that look? Okay, listen, here's my question. Here's my three questions. Who here in this room has ever lied in the past to their significant other? Let me see a show of hands. Come on, let's be honest here. Okay, how many of you in. Never? Never? You said if you're married, don't To her? Oh, well, she's not here. You can say whatever you want. I just said if you're here with your significant other, I don't want you to lie in front of your. So, let me ask the question again. Who here in the past has ever lied to their significant others that are not here? Okay. Who here in the past has ever lied to their significant others and gotten caught? Let me see a show of hands. Who's gotten caught? All right. Let me ask you a third question. Who here has lied, gotten caught, knew you got caught, and then still defended your stupid lie? There you go. Okay. You see, here's what happens. People lie, and they get caught, and they defend lies, and what we're trying to do in our F&I process is create an... A process where we don't want them lying to us. Where we want them coming in as relaxed as possible. I'm going to leave you now with your first tip. And this is a big tip for me. And a lot of you in this room are going to struggle with what I am going to share with you. Customer comes in the dealership. Here's their defensive posture. Salesman sells them a car. There goes their defensive posture. But for some reason, before they come back into the F&I office, guess what happens to this posture? it comes right back up. Now, some of you have a title of F&I manager. Some of you might have a title as a business manager. Some of you might have a title as a financial services director. We've come up with all these creative titles over the years, hopefully, to lower that customer's defensive posture. But I am going to share with you a new title. I'm going to tell you right up front, some of you are going to struggle using this title because it's going to hurt your ego and you've got to put your ego away. Especially if you want to be greedy. Who over here is an F&I manager? Okay, ladies, I want you to change your titles effective immediately. Effective today, your title is billing clerk. That's your title. Think about this for a second. Now think about this for a second. So I say to Jim, I'm going to bring you in to see Kathy, our billing clerk. She's going to take care of all your paperwork and answer all your final questions. Where now is my customer's defensive posture? It's down, it's lowered. We create this environment where people get scared of us. You see, when I walk into your office, I want you all to think about an FI office. If I walk into an F&I office right now, is there anything in that room that spells sell? Is there a poster? Is there a plaque? Are there parts? Are there signs? Are there brochures? Are there catalogs? Every time I see that, what do I think you're going to do? You're going to sell me something. And now I become defensive. And now I might lie to you. And that is not what you want. Think about this. I have been in dealership F&I offices where I've seen plaques on the wall that says Joe has mastered the art of selling life and disability. Or Sarah is the number one service contract penetration winner in the region. Now, where do you think my defensive posture is? It is all the way up here. Now, men, you're going to have problems being a billing clerk. I love it, though. I love it. I go out to a party. Everyone knows I'm successful. What do you do for a living, David? Oh, I'm a billing clerk. Where? At the local Ford store. Really? And you live in that house? Yeah, I don't know, I guess I got the lucky job. I'm the one that got the lucky job. Now, ladies, please, don't be offended. For you, it comes across even better because unfortunately, we might look as a female more in a billing clerk environment. Take advantage of that. Use that to your advantage. Hi, my name is April. I'm the billing clerk. I'm here to take care of all your paperwork for you. And now your customer is going to be more relaxed. You're just setting them up for the sale. Now, let me ask you another question. How many of you here in this room believe or think that we should have the salesperson plant the seed for the service contract? Let me see a show of hands. I want to see a show of hands. Just a few of you? Really? I am shocked at this. You guys don't believe in planting the seed? Oh, oh, she just said it depends how it's presented. Okay. Bob and Mary, I'm going to bring you in to see Joe. He's our billing clerk. Oh, and by the way, he's going to go over some products at the end to extend your factory warranty. I very highly recommend them. Who in the room would be okay with that presentation? Okay. For those of you that are doing anything to plant the seed for a service contract, you are killing yourselves. You know what you're doing? You're warning that customer. You're saying, look it, I'm going to bring you in to see Marv, and he is going to sell you something or try to sell you something, and then you are going to become more defensive. You need to create an environment where that customer feels comfortable with you because you only have a limited amount of time to do so. And it's very, very important. Now, whether you go out front to the showroom and and, and start the process at the salesperson's desk, it doesn't matter to me. But at any point that you're bringing them into your office, I want to make sure that you are not saying anything of that point. Now... A lot of dealerships today are still having struggle with people with marginal credit. And I want to share with you another tip right now on how to get more people, who in the room would like to get more marginal deals approved? Make it easier for you. Okay. Let me share with you what happens on a marginal deal. I do a lot of training for banking institutions. And we train buyers and credit analysts and things like that. If you were using a bank or a credit buyer that had no repos in the last three years, would that be good or bad? Bad. Why? We're not being aggressive enough. It's like a used car manager. If we have a used car manager that never lost money on a used car, we would say he or she is not being aggressive enough. They're not going after the deals. You have to make mistakes. So let me give you a scenario that goes down to the typical car dealership. Bob comes in and he's got bad credit. We, Whatever your process is, we put him in a car and we run his credit bureau. And he's bad. He's a 475. We'll call him a 475. He's got a couple of charge-offs, a bunch of late pays. Things seem to be current for the last six, eight months. And he's on his job. Now, we're going to interview Bob. And we're going to ask him what happened. And Bob's going to say, well, I'll tell you what happened. I got laid off from work about three years ago. I was off for about 18 months. I fell behind on my bills. I had a couple of charge offs. I've been back at work now for six months. I make $45,000 a year and I'm good to go. So, what happens is the deal gets turned down. We call the analyst. We try to plead our case over the phone. Am I correct so far? And we tell the story to the analyst. What do you think the analyst is doing while we are telling them the story? They are writing this down, they are taking notes. They decide to buy the deal. Why? Because you are strong and you've been able to convince them to buy this deal. Six months later, this car repossesses. The bank decides to do an internal audit. So they call the employer and they say, we'd like to verify employment. They verify it. And they say, we'd like to confirm that he was laid off for 18 months from this date to this date. And the employer says, no, he was never laid off. He's never been laid off. Hmm. Now, he makes $40,000 a year. No, he makes $28,000 a year. Now, the bank is going to go to the analyst and say, listen, we bought this deal. Why did you buy the deal? The analyst is going to go to their notes, read their notes, repeat their notes, and then the bank's going to say, well, we called the employer. He has never been laid off, and he makes $12,000 less a year than on the statement. Now, you tell me, is that analyst going to be excited to buy another deal over the next seven to ten days? No. Do analysts think that we lie to them? I believe they do think that. What do we typically do? We repeat the lie. Am I correct? We take at face value what that person is saying to us, and we repeat the lie to the analyst. But who's the guilty person here? In the eyes of the analyst, it's us. We're the over-aggressive F&I manager pushing and trying to get a deal bought. And now all of a sudden, it's repo. When a lender buys a deal that repossesses, they only want one thing. They want to cover their ass as to why they bought the deal. Does everybody agree with that? Effective immediately, Every time you have somebody that tells you a story as to why they have bad credit, I want you to take out a legal pad, I want you to put it in front of the customer with a pen, and I want you to say, write down exactly what you just told me and sign it and date it for today. That's it. Write it down. I'll take their story at face value. Well, I was in an accident. I was out of work for two years. Write it down. I got laid off. Write it down. Whatever the story. I got divorced. I had a bad situation. My you know what took me to the cleaners. Write it down and sign it and date it for today. Now I'm gonna submit the application. I know the application's going to get turned down. And then I'm gonna take that story that that customer wrote and I'm gonna send it over to the lender. You see, now I'm not telling that lender what's wrong. Who's telling the lender? The customer is. Signed and dated by them. Number one, it's going to add to the validity of what you do. Number two, your lenders are going to have a lot more respect for you. Number three, you're going to give that lender a reason to buy that deal that he or she is going to slide into the folder to have for future reference. Now, if that car repossesses, now if this isn't true, who's going to be held accountable? The customer. And that is now called bank fraud. That is a felony. Here's the best part of all. There is no story that doesn't make logical sense. None. I was at a dealership the other day, about a month ago, and they had a person come in. He was about 24, 25 years old, and he had bad credit. And you know what his story was? His story was, when I got to college, everybody wanted to give me a credit card with a $500 limit. I didn't realize I spent money, and yes, they all repossessed. And I'm listening to the F9 manager try to coax him into saying something different. And I'm thinking to myself, that's a great story. Write it down. I went to college. I got inundated with credit card offers. I had four of them at $500 limits. They all got charged off. I've graduated college. I've been at work now for 18 months. I've saved $1,500 for a down payment. The payment of $230 a month is affordable. And I would like the opportunity to have credit again. What a great story. Because you know why? It's the truth. And people can respect the truth. So that's a very, very, very important aspect of what you do. Let's talk now about selling service contracts. I don't think there's anybody in this room that doesn't want to sell more service contracts. From our F&I staff to our vendors. We all want to sell more service contracts. Why would somebody not buy a service contract? Okay, it's a three-year lease. I would accept that as a logical reason to not buy an extended service contract. Maybe a maintenance package. Okay, give me another reason why someone would not buy a service contract. Pardon me? Hold on, on. what was that? Not experienced. What do you mean? Oh, bad experience. They've had a bad experience in the past. They had one, it didn't cover the correct things. Good, keep that in mind. Somebody else said something? The the repair, or I'm buying this car for its dependability, or I've had one before and it never—I never needed it, I never used it. When you sell a service contract, how much can you mark up a service contract? Somebody yell out some numbers. How much can you? What what can you sell a service contract? What what markup? Hold on, hold on. What did you say? You can go up to twenty five hundred. What did you say? Fifteen hundred. Two times cost. Will some banks give you limitations? One hundred and ten percent of this, one hundred twenty five percent of that. Okay. Okay. Why is it that some F and I managers average six hundred dollars a service contract, and some average nine hundred dollars service they don't contract? Believe in the product. Okay. I accept that as an answer. They don't believe in the product. Okay. Give me another reason why. What's that? Fear. Fear. Okay, fear. Fear of what? Fear. What's that? The fear of the customer saying no. Well, you know what I would say to that person. You're in the wrong business. Okay, I get you. I get you. The fear of saying no. Why else is the difference between the the 600 and the 900? Okay, he says cutting grows too fast. Okay, we're selling out of fear. Now we don't know how to overcome an objection, so we cut, 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 cut. Okay, you still haven't given me the, the number one reason. Okay, value could be in the presentation. We're going to talk about that in a minute. I'm going to set you up right now. How many of you here use menus? You ready for this? I'll clarify this. You all use menus wrong. That's my opinion. I'll show you why in a minute. Okay. Give me another reason why the difference between 600 and 900, or 600 and 1200. Okay, so there's a built-in amount, it's a default amount set the service contract, regardless of cost. By who? Okay, I buy that. Okay, I'm looking for so you're going in the right direction. Want to sell other Why would you want to sell another product? There are other products. I agree with you. Spitz bonuses. I, I agree with you. What about, the what about the penetration. Let me give you the number one reason. Between a person that makes 600 versus a person that makes 900, the person that makes 900 asks for 900. The person that makes 600 asks for 600. It's the reason. I go into dealerships all day long. It's the number one thing I can increase in thirty seconds. I can look at somebody and say, "How much do you mark up your service contracts?" Seven hundred dollars. Here's what I want you to do. I'm just pulling a number out of my head. Slow it on, Marv. Easy, easy. Seven hundred. <laughs> a thousand. Would that make you happier? Hold on. And I say to that person, instead of marking them up a thousand, mark them up thirteen hundred. Are they going to sell any less service contracts? No. I don't get it. I absolutely positively do not get it. I go into dealerships all day long. And all, it, the easiest thing to do is ask more money for your service contract. Now, within reason. I, I believe, and that's why these limitations are put into place. Buy your banks. Buy your dealerships. You know, I was lucky. When I sold service contracts back in the, in the 80s, I could have marked them up whatever I wanted. Nobody had any... But then again, for you guys and gals that've been around a long long time, I came from an environment where trucks—who remembers this—trucks had no window stickers on them, and you could sell any truck for any price you wanted. It did not matter. So the first thing when it comes to service contracts is ask another two hundred bucks. Do you think it's going to affect your penetration? Absolutely not. Now let me ask you another question: When you start to sell a service contract? What percentage of the time at the end of the presentation does the customer just say, yes, I'll take it? Just like, that. okay, yeah, oh, sure, I've got to have Oh, yeah, let me take that, yeah, absolutely. I'll take option B. Oh, please, that'd be great. How often does that happen? Honestly, how often? 10 to 15%? The other 10, the other 80% give you an objection. Who over here is an F&I manager? Let me ask you a question. Before you sell an F and I service contract, do you ask questions so you make sure you give the customer the right terms and mileage? Hundred percent. Who agrees with that? You got to make sure you tailor it. Who, who agrees with that? Who disagrees with that? Yeah. <laughs> Let's see if we disagree for the right reasons. Same reasons. You see, I'm going to go on the theory that most people object. I don't tailor. I untailor. Let me give you an example. Customer comes in and they have a trade. They have a five-year-old trade with 95,000 miles on it. Do I need to ask them how many years and how many miles they drive their car? Probably not. I might ask them, did you buy the car brand new? And they said, yes. Now I know they drive 20,000 miles a year and keep the car for five years. Most of you in this room would sell that person a five-year, 100,000-mile service contract, let's say for 30 bucks a month. Not me. I would pitch that person a four-year, 60,000-mile service program for $27 a month, knowing exactly what their first objection's going to be. And what is their first objection going to be? I drive more miles. And then I would ask, great, how many miles do you drive? And they're going to say, 20,000 miles a year. Now, remember, I pitched it at $27 a month, you were pitching it at 30. Then I'm going to say that's not a problem. I'm glad you brought that up because you would be out of that coverage in a very quick period of time. Let's do this. I've got a plan that's actually 6 years, 100,000 miles, it's only $3 more a month. Why don't we go with that? How does that sound would like to take advantage of that added coverage? You see I know you're going to object and I want my objections to be easy to overcome. Now, let's do the reverse. I have a customer that comes in and is trading in a car with four years on it and they have 55,000 miles on it. Most of you would offer now like a four-year 60,000 or a five-year 75,000. Not me. I would offer that customer an eight-year 150,000-mile plan as long as I could go with as many miles as humanly possible. And I'd mark it up a gazillion dollars. That's $42 a month because then I know exactly what they're going to say. Well, we're not going to keep the car for eight years we only drive 10, 12,000 miles a year. And then I would say, I understand where you're coming from. It would be a shame to do that. That would be a waste. I'll tell you what. Let's give you some added coverage. I've got a four-year, 60,000-mile program. Heck, I can save you $25 a month on that. That's only $17 a month. How does that sound? Would you like to take advantage of it? But think about what I did. When I bumped it, I only bumped it $3. That's it. So to go from five years to seven years and $100,000, I said it's only $3 more, which made the $3 seem meaningless and a lot of value. When I went the opposite direction, I took off a ton of money, $25, to make the other amount now seem smaller. You see, you all now like to customize and tailor the program. And here's another problem I have with that. Once you start asking those questions, do you think the customer knows what you're doing? And now they get nervous. Okay. Let's talk now about the menus. Does anybody happen to have a menu on them? Would anybody happen to have a menu? Could I get that one? Where's the Darwin guy? Nobody have a menu? Okay. That doesn't matter. We all know what the menu looks like. So, you all present menus. What you do is you come out or you bring them to your office, you do all your paperwork, and then you flip out your menu. Okay, with all the options and all the numbers and all the print on it. What do you think is the first thing I'm going to look at on that menu? Anybody? I'm going to go right to the price. Am I going to hear what you are saying? No, I'm going to look at the price. So now in my mind, have I already made a pre-assumed judgment? Yes. Now, you are now going to start to go through this menu line by line by line by line. And you know what? I'm gonna get bored to tears. Thank you. Who did you come with? You're very animated, aren't you? Yeah, there you go, okay. you just a billing clerk. Are you just a billing clerk? Hey, really? Let me ask you a question. Do you make a lot of money as a billing clerk? Are you guys all with him? The jury's not out yet. Okay, so listen. So now what you do is you present this menu to these people and you use this as your presentation tool. Now, let me ask you this. How many cars would we sell if we didn't show them the car, we just showed them the catalog? Not many. Now, I'm not saying the menu is a bad tool. I'm saying you used the menu at the wrong time. What I'm telling you you need to do is make a presentation on your products prior to the demonstration of the menu. Whether it be something on a card, whether it be a flip chart, whether it be something animated on a PowerPoint, something that takes three or four minutes that walks the customer through every product (laughs) slide by slide by slide by slide by slide. This is what you get, this is the benefits, slide by slide by slide, keeping the process moving over the next three minutes. Then, once you present the value, then you can take this out. And then you could say, here are your options. A, B, C, D, here are the prices. Your presentation should take 95% and the menu should be 5% of the time. The menu is a great tool when used properly. It's not used properly as a presentation. How many of you have seen people sit up in their chair, look at it, and then sit back in the chair? As soon as that happens, you have lost them. They are gone completely. And now you lose. Now, next thing. I need a volunteer. I, I need a strong volunteer. Who, is Marv an F&I manager? He's a billing is a clerk? no. Let's not go more. Listen. I need a volunteer, somebody who is a billing clerk right now, that would like to overcome a common objection. Can I get any volunteer, please? Please, anybody, anybody. Yeah. Will you? Are you okay? Where do you work? Anchorage. Alaska. You came all the way from Alaska. God bless you. Yeah, there you. go, That's good. Okay, now. What kind of franchises do you have? <laughs> Fantastic. Lawn mowers and snow blowers, too? No, they're, across the street. they're across the street, okay. <laughs> I remember going to dealerships like that in the past. Okay, what is your first name? Cindy. Cindy. Okay, so Cindy, I am your customer. I'm sitting across from you. You have presented the menu, and I have given you the negative decline. You have decided now to focus on one product because you know it's not going well and you're going to focus on the service contract. You now tell me that I can get just the service contract for $30 a month. And we're just pulling a number out of our head. And I'm going to say to you this, and I'd like you to overcome this. And I'm going to say, Cindy, I don't want to spend an extra $30 a month. I'm already over my budget. What would you say? $30 a month mm-hmm. is over your budget? Yes. Correct. I'm already at 325 on the car. I came in at 295 I only wanted to be at $250. i am already at 320 Now you want to hit me with another $30. I'm over my budget. These, is this realistic? Okay. So what would you say? So I understand that $30 sounds like a lot of money. Too. How much do you spend in car insurance? Oh, car insurance. I, I like $80 a month, but I have to get car insurance. I don't really want to get car insurance, but they make me. They mandate after have have car insurance. Because I don't think we should have to get car insurance. What just happened here? You don't understand what just happened. She just attacked me. She did. Did she not? And what did I just do? I went into a defense mode. Okay, so now what are you going to say? You're doing good so far. You're doing fine. Okay, now what what would you say next? So I say, well, I don't want to get it. I have to get it. Okay. Right Yeah. The payment's too high. I don't want to spend an extra thirty dollars. Help her out. What would you say? Let's put some more money down. Okay, he said. Let's put some more money down. I don't want to put any more money down. Hold on. Go ahead. What? Ah, we're already at seventy-two months. I don't want to extend the term. Anybody else? Anybody? Okay. Who said that? Okay, how, how are you going to do that? So I say the payment's too high. Yeah, I don't want to spend $30. I already came in wanted to be at $250. i am already at 320 Well, I'm glad you hear me. Now what are you going to say? Okay, now you're going to get this question from me. The worst question you can ever get. You ready? Here it comes. You all hate this. Here it comes. You ready? Do I have to make this decision today? Is that the worst? Is that the worst? Is that the worst? Because you, you, you're not going to lie to me, are you? No, you can't lie to me. You can't lie to me. So now I say to you, okay, do I have to make this decision today? Or do I have up to a year to make this decision? What? Yeah, and I just pay for it then. Yeah, I'll just pay for it then. I'll, well, I'll just pay for it then. Is that what people are going to say? Well, I'll just pay for it then. Really, what are they saying to you? I'm not buying it. I'm not interested. It, I'm not interested. Now, I'm, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Because what you three said is what 99.9% of the billing clerks are going to say when they're presented with an objection. See, one of the problems that we have in our industry is we don't train. Events like this are fantastic. They're great. We learn new ideas, we implement the things that we like. But we are the worst trained industry in the world. We we really are. We're we the worst trained. I mean, we're terrible. We don't train like athletes. We don't train like other companies do. You know, everybody looks at our industry and says, I can do it better than they do it. Because we don't train. Most of you have never been trained how to overcome an objection. You've never been trained how to overcome an objection. You've used money as a resource to lower the price to try to captivate the customer. You ask questions that become threatening and the customer becomes defensive. And you create an environment of animosity within that sales process. And I think that's a problem. Understand something. People love to hear stories. Stories they can relate to. Stories that make sense. When he says to me, I don't want to spend any more money, I say, I understand exactly where you're coming from. I'm just like you. When I set out to buy a high-ticket item, I, too, set up a budget. And I, too, try to stay within that budget. And sometimes that can be very, very difficult, can't it? I understand exactly where you're coming from. But let me share something interesting with you. I think you'll find it interesting. Let's assume that every day or every week you went to the same gas station to get your car filled up with a tank of gas. For years. And then one day the owner of the gas station came out and he said, hey, I want to say thank you very much for your business. I appreciate it. I noticed you've been coming in here for years and I'm very grateful. I want to let you know that I'd like to do something special for you as a gratitude and to get your business in the future. Here's what I'm going to do. Every time you fill your car up with a tank of gas, I'm going to add $5 to the meter. And here's what I'll do for you for the $5. If you ever have a mechanical failure, you just bring it to me. I've got a garage. I'll fix the car for you. I'll pay the parts and the labor. Tell you what, if the car breaks down and you can't get it here, I have a tow truck. I'll come and get it. And if the car's tied up overnight, I'll give you my car to drive so you're not inconvenienced. I'll even go one step further. If you break down out of town and I can't get to you, you just call me on the phone. I'll pay for a tow. I'll pay for a rental car. I'll even pay for the repair. I'll give you my credit card number over the phone. Now, obviously, just like me, you'd pay that few extra dollars every week when you went to the gas station because it's a meaningless amount, wouldn't you? Well, you know what? This service program that we're talking about is the exact same thing. It's the same thing. The only difference is if you have a mechanical failure, it's going to be fixed by a certified and trained technician. And it's covered all over the country, if you have any breakdown. So I think the most important thing is this. Knowing that you can afford the luxury of having these programs, doesn't it make sense to take advantage of them and enroll and have that peace of mind? Now, how many times have I asked that customer to buy that product? Twice. Once on the menu, and once right now when I overcame the objection. Here's the odd thing about it. All three of you, when you overcame my objection, Not one of you asked me again to buy it. You waited for me to respond. People love to hear stories. When we sell cars, we have structured steps. You've all heard this. Meet and greet, qualify, inventory selection, demo, walk around service, walk, negotiate, and close. Well, guess what? You have to have steps, too, when it comes to overcoming objections. And most do not. So with that said, I am now going to leave you with my final tip. And this is probably going to be the biggest tip you'll ever get. Most of you will go back to your dealerships. If you do this exactly the way I tell you, you will bump your penetration 15 to 20 percent like that. So, let me set you up for this. Most of us that can discount a service contract will discount a service contract too fast and too much to get a deal. Will we all agree with that? I, I was waiting for someone to say that. Instead of the state of Florida. In the state of Florida, we cannot discount a service contract. Okay, It's it's a set markup set by the state. It's a registered price. We cannot discount it. You can still do this idea. You're just going to do it a little bit differently. So most of us discount too rapidly. Now, keep that thought in the back of your mind. Do I have any general managers in the room? I'm not going to pick on you. Who's a general manager? General manager? Do I have any dealers in the room? Do I have any sales managers in the room? Just a bunch of <laughs> 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 Justin. <Yeah>. Boulder, Colorado. <laughs> Holy moly. What do you sell? Even washers and dryers. Good for you. Good for you. Okay. Do I have any? All right. Tell me this. Your sales manager? Okay. Pardon me? Fantastic. Let me paint a picture for you now. Okay? Customer enters the dealership, spends 90 minutes with a salesperson, picks a car, drives a car, sits at the desk with the salesperson. Manager gives the customer the first price. Salesperson gives the customer the first price. Manager sees the customer stand up, sees the salesperson stand up, shake the customer's hand, and this customer walks to the door and walks out and gets in their car and drives away. Is there going to be a problem? Okay. What is the problem? Um, they, didn't the they didn't touch desk. So let me get, what is your first name? Sue. Sue. Are you sure? Okay. I love how you answer for everybody's name. <laughs> <there. laughs> Are you with him? No. Are you with anybody? <laughs> okay. Okay. With the IRS. That was good. Okay, that was good. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was good. That was good. I'm with the the IRS. That was good. Okay, Sue. Sue. So let me get this straight now. You want the salesperson to come and touch desk with you as the sales manager to tell you what's going on. And he might or she might say to you, they want to go home and think about it. Now, as the manager, might you get up and go talk to the customer? Why? We call that a TL, a turnover. Might you go out there and sell the car? Yeah, very strongly you might sell the car. Now, did you sell the car because you were strong or did you maybe just sell the car because you were a second face? What if you ask the same questions? But let's get to a point here. Do sometimes do we just sell cars because it's a different face? Would everybody agree with that? Okay, so... Let's just say, Sue, that you took an up, you could not sell the up, and you had Greg over here, who's been working for you for two weeks, you're the manager, you took the up, you couldn't sell it, and we sent Greg in to TO the car deal. Might Greg sell the deal? He might say something that you didn't say. Maybe they didn't like a female, maybe they like a male. Who knows what to do? Do you care? No. You just want to do what? Okay. Okay. Now, Sue, what kind of cars do you sell? Okay, where's your dealership located? Yeah, in California. Yeah, boy, you got travel, travel far away get here. Okay, great. We're in California. By Santa Barbara. By Santa Barbara. Okay, now, will you, you said Hondas, right? Okay. Would you sell me a Honda Civic for invoice? I'll take it today. I'm not going to go there right the away. Then what I asked you. Would you sell me a car for invoice if I took it today? Okay. Would you guys over here down at... uh, I'm sorry, you're on the phone. Would you sell me a car for... What do you guys sell there? Okay, would you sell me a Kia today for invoice? 200 under. Would you go 200 under on the Civic? Oh, you'd let me walk? Okay, but you'd sell it for 200 under. 300? 400. Doesn't matter. Okay, I'll buy a real. No. All right, it's a Sorrento. Yes. 500 under. No. So our line's at 400, 450. Okay, okay, okay. As a side note, you know what the sad thing is, folks? This is the way we negotiate car deals, okay? No value, all price. Okay, so now let me get this straight. You will go out of your way to sell me a car to lose money just Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba- <laughs> 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 oh. Okay. I'm banking on the f and I office to make my money cuz that's where the money comes from. I'm paying cash. I don't care. You'd still sell, sell You'd still you sell me the car for 450 under. Still would okay. because I'm banking on my average on deal. Okay. What's your average service contract penetration? My average is 73%. Okay, we're going to up that in a minute. Okay. So now, think just think about, I'm just setting you up for this. I'm setting you up. She's owner, finance person, G, GM. GM. Jim, this is great, okay. Did you guys used to have Cadillac years ago? I've been at your dealership a long, long time ago. Fred, yeah, yeah, I've been there, I I remember, I remember. Okay. We would sell cars and give them away betting on F&I, even if we knew the customer was paying cash. We still do. We have agreed that second faces sell cars. We agree with that. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a scenario right now, okay? If I could have your attention, both of you. I have Tony and Stephanie now in front of me. I am the F&I manager. I'm the billing clerk. I have made a presentation to both of them. They've decided to decline. I've narrowed in on a service contract. They're still declining. I can tell, they're long, but I'm still holding a lot of gross in my service contract. I'm not going to discount the service contract. So here's what I'm going to say to them. I'm going to say, folks... I understand you've made a decision, and I respect that decision. I just have to have you sign a form that simply says, I've gone over this with you, and you decided not to take advantage of it. Would you excuse me for one second? And then I'm going to go up, go out, and I'm going to go to my sales manager, Gary. And here's what I'm going to say. Gary, I have a young couple in my office. They're not taking the service contract. I need a TO. Now, you watch this. Now, Gary walks in all by himself and here's what he says. He says, Tony, Gary, sales manager here at the dealership, very nice to meet you, Stephanie, very nice to meet you. I wanted to stop in real quickly. I wanted to say hello. I wanted to say thank you very much for your business. I am the sales manager. It means the world to us that you've chosen us here at the dealership to buy your car. I want to let you know if there's ever anything I can do to help you or assist you, please don't ever hesitate to reach out to me. Here's my card and it's got my cell phone number on it. I do want to tell you that I passed David and he's told me you've decided not to take advantage of our service program. I just wanted to let you know I very, very highly recommend it. I've seen it be so beneficial for so many people over the years. Here's what I'd like to do, and it's completely up to you. I have a little slush fund. I'd like to contribute contribute $300. If that will help, take advantage of it. I'll let you guys discuss it. Again, thank you so much for your business. It was very nice meeting you. Enjoy the car. If you need me for anything, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. And he walks out. Now... I walk back in and I say, folks, I understand, Tony, right? Gary, Gary, I was close. (laughs) Terrible with names. I, (laughs) I understand that Gary, Gary was just in here and he said he'd contribute $300 to your enrollment in the service program. That is fantastic. Let's see real quickly what it does to your investment. Boom, 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 boom. You know, folks, it's only $17 a month now. You can afford the luxury of having it. He's willing to give you a little bit of contribution. I'd like to recommend it. Would you like to take advantage of it? Now, if I did that with every service contract you couldn't sell, do you think we'd sell some more service contracts? Absolutely. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, Sue, what the closing ratio is when I do this. 20%. It's one out of five. One out of five times that I have a manager go in and second face the service contract, I'll sell a service contract, one out of five, and I just picked up six, seven, eight hundred dollars. It took me a minute. Now, when I did this, was I high pressure? Was I any pressure? I didn't even ask them to buy it. I just gave you a credible contribution. Would you hire me to be your F and I manager with my skill set Now. Would you be willing to TO the deals that I can't sell service contracts on? That's the only way I would ever work for you, okay? Because this is a team sport, not an individualized sport. And I know as good as I am, I can't sell everybody, can I? No. So the ones I can't sell, I want a second face on every single one. Now, I'm gonna do this one more time. May I borrow, you're like a president. May I borrow one of your pens? Sure. Okay. I'm gonna do this one more time. I'm going to tell you that this next technique that I'm going to use here, I'm going to be very honest with you, puts my toe on the line. Most of you will be okay with this. But if you're not, I fully understand. It's a personal opinion. I do the same thing. They've decided not to enroll. I leave. I go get Gary. Gary comes back, and here's what Gary says. Folks, thank you very much for your business. We appreciate it. It means the world to us. Blah, 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 blah. I understand that you've decided not to enroll in the service program. Blah, 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 blah. Tell you what I'd like to do. I would like to contribute $400. Now, listen to that number $400 to your enrollment in the service program. It's a slush one we have. It's available to you if you want to take advantage of it. I'll let David handle that is for this you. this second turn or the first? It's first turn. Two different options of doing this. Okay. This is just another way of doing the turn. OK, so I'm, I'm going to give you my business card and here's what I'm going to do. So there's no misunderstanding on the back of the card. I'm going to write the four hundred dollars and then sign my name. That way there's no misunderstanding. And Gary leaves. Now, I come back in and listen to what I say now. Folks, I understand that Gary was just in here and he said he would contribute two hundred dollars to your enrollment in the service program. Go ahead. Do it. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> what did you say to him? I mean, he's never done four hundred. I mean, it's usually two hundred dollars. What did you say? Well, I'm, I'm assuming then you're. I'm assuming you're going to want to take advantage of it. Um, I'm going to need this to staple. I have to staple this to the folder because they're going to question the four hundred dollars. I'll get you another one of his cards. Ninety-nine percent <laughs> <laughs> of the time, when I give a lower number, what's that customer going to say? No, 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 no. He told me. Four hundred dollars. I got him right now. I got him. I got him, and I like to get him. Dang. Oh, that was good, wasn't it? Yeah. Are you going to do that in your dealership? Are you going to do that? We do do How often? Oh, good. I'm glad you brought that up. There is one condition that a TO on a service contract will not work. Guaranteed not to work. When is that? When you don't don't do it. When you don't do it. And I'm going to be honest with you. If you worked for me, if lady, are you all F&I people? If you ladies worked for me and you let somebody walk that you couldn't sell a service contract to and you did not get a second face, we are going to have a problem. I'll let it slide once, maybe twice. Do I have to tell you what happens the third time? I don't need your services anymore. Okay? Every single time I do that. Okay. Does anybody have any questions for me on anything? Anything at all that they would like to ask me? Nothing? Okay. I have written four books. The first book that I wrote is called The Secrets of Inspirational Selling. This here is a book on selling cars. I wrote this in 2008. There are over 200,000 of these in circulation in dealerships across the country. I followed that up with a book titled Common Mistakes that Automotive Salespeople Make. I made a list of all the mistakes that salespeople make in the car dealership. I followed that up with a leadership book for managers in the car dealership called The Leadership Factor. I then followed that up with a book titled Understanding Your Customer, And then I went outside the industry on a book titled Winners Versus Losers. Okay? You may have all five of those books because you're a great participant. Okay? Thank you. If anybody would like a cop, I'm happy to send you a set of books. All you need to do in the next minute or two before I walk out of here, are they taking a break? Okay? Is just give me your business card your phone, your address, whatever it is. Whatever it is, you don't have a business card, put your address on there, a piece of paper. I'll ship it to the dealership. I'll ship it to your house. It really doesn't matter. I am more than happy to send you a set of books, complimentary. Just make sure you put your title on there. Also, every Monday, I have something called my dealership tip of the week. It's an email that goes out. It's 90 seconds. It's just a quick tidbit idea that I've picked up during the week. If you would like to get that as well, just put your email address on there, and we'll put you on the list. Other than that, thank you all for having me. I appreciate it. I wish you all the best of success, and I hope to see you all again in the future. Thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll be in the back. You can just give me your cards if you want to.